Hello, listener. Welcome to This Week in Mormons, the twin sibling edition. Hey, welcome. Uh, hey, Matt, it's good to see you. How have you been? Really, really good. So I have a fun story. Oh, now, good. I don't want to reveal the identities of the people involved because it's still kind of a secret that they're keeping. And um, anyhow, the, is it why- about me? Is it about me? <laughs> it's you not. can tell. Okay. okay. So, All right. Carry so on. So someone, someone told me recently that they were pregnant. Oh. And, um, and my wife was there. And I'm not a very like, I've never had a baby before. And I don't understand. Haven't how you? Preg- I have. You've had children, <laughs> but you haven't physically had children. Yeah. And I don't understand pregnancy at all. Like there's nothing. Weird. Doesn't, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so she was kind of expressing her anxiety because it's their first child. And so she's sort uh-huh. of like anxious about things. And I thought, well, the best thing I can do is I can just sort of sit here and listen and let my wife say encouraging good things. And okay, so I, that was I, probably smart because usually when you do talk, you say the wrong thing. So I'm actually impressed <laughs> to hear that you decided to sit and listen. Go on. So I did. And then then at some point, it felt like maybe I should say something. And so I said, I just want you to know that it's your body, your choice. Oh, Matt, (laughs) do you think that perhaps, Matt, you're so, so dumb and insensitive and... You literally so, told them that it was okay to have an abortion. That's what I had you said. no idea that that was the implication. <laughs> and everybody's look on everybody's face was just in shock. And I didn't like take a break. I didn't say it's your body, your choice, and then just wait for a reaction. I said, yeah. I want you to know it's your body, your choice. You're going to have lots of people telling you like what you should do in a pregnancy, if you should take multivitamins, <laughs> if you should go to a doctor, if you should have an epidural. But it's your body, your choice, Matt. and you get to decide. <laughs> Obviously, your intention was good, but I think what happened is something you've been accused of more than once in your life, and it's called being tone deaf. That's that's the literal definition right there. I was like, uh, I've heard people say that phrase before. That sounds super supportive that I could say this right now. And then she would feel empowered, and she'd be like, wow, thank you. And instead, she was like, like this horrified uh, look on her face. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So, um, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry you had no, that no. really. Um, nope, I'm not. <laughs> you are. As listeners of this podcast are well aware, that stuff happens to me all the time. All the time. All the time. Yeah. Speaking of which, there's somebody that wrote into the mailbag that okay, has a little great. comment. Yeah. Let's, okay, let's hear it. This listener says, I was out on my walk exercising and listening to Matt and Melissa's latest podcast. Hey, I have good a little- job. Hold on. Pause. Sorry. I. I walk and listen to podcasts too. That's when I listen. So, yeah, um, that's good. That's healthy. Good job. Okay. That's healthy. Good job, healthy listener. Sorry, Matt. Go on. (laughs) I had to have a little chuckle when they said that the 60 year old Spanish lady who broke her leg was an old lady, implying she was elderly. (laughs) I am 56. My children are just leaving home, and I feel like my life has just started. And don't forget, our vital prophet is 99. Otherwise, I just love you guys. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, I have the same problem with elderly people. When I when I very first moved to my ward in Rexburg, I because I had been in Kansas, so I had been in a bishopric at a young age, and so I was like, okay, I was in my thirties, and the high mm-hmm. priest group that I attended, they were all fifty years and older, and some of them okay. were like in their eighties, mm-hmm. and and I s- sometimes said something like, "You old people, or you <laughs> Did elderly." You? <laughs> You're in and your mouth, they, Maddie. <laughs> and then someone would like say, well, now wait a minute. Who's old? And I'm like, if you're over 50, you're old. And then they would all get offended. Oh. <laughs> well, <laughs> now really? that you're crouching up on 50, how does that feel? 
I'm okay. I'm all right being an old man. Like I, yeah. it doesn't. I don't yeah. mind being called. Listen, if if I'm as like vital as this woman is who wrote in at 56, and I'm able to go around and walk and stuff. I'll be thrilled, but I don't. You will be able to go around and walk and stuff at 56. (laughs) Yes, you can count on that. My lifestyle choices aren't such that I'm confident that in my 60s, I won't be in a wheelchair and on like, I don't know, different kinds of oxygen. Well, I appreciated this listener writing and she made me, she made me giggle. It it was a fun comment. Um, Wait, wait, I have another thing. I have another question, Molly. Yeah. So Melissa, sometimes I'm in church. Because in mm-hmm. my ward, there are senior, senior people, like in their 80s and 90s. I hope okay. that that's okay to call them seniors. Okay. And some there are some of them that wear ox- – they bring oxygen tanks to church. Yes. And when I'm passing the sacrament, sometimes when I walk past them, I think, I would love an oxygen tank. Like, wouldn't it be nice to not have to breathe? It just breathes for you all the time. <laughs> like, that's that- the <laughs> – Thoughts I've never had. I just, I should have started keeping a tally mark each time you said something just in the intro that would be offensive or get people to write in. <laughs> well, I don't mean, I'm saying it's a good thing. I I'm would love an oxygen tank. That would I be really amazing. Would. I know. It would be so <laughs> um, nice. Here's the thing, Matt. Um, people who know you know that everything you say, you genuinely say with love and with yes. good nature. And yes. that you you genuinely uh, love and care about people, um, but yeah, um, people who don't know you are so easily offended. It's oh, just interesting. Yeah. It's well, interesting. just remember, my body, my choice. I don't <laughs> okay. always know what it means. <laughs> okay, I'll remember that. Okay, uh, we're going to do some quick clips, Maddie. Um, okay. And I'm going to start with a couple of milestones. President Nelson, as of January 1st, is technically headed into his 100th year of life. So this mm-hmm. is the year that our prophet will turn 100 years old. That's a pretty big milestone. He's been doing a little bit of posting on social media, um, just kind of talking about the new year and goals and also, um, you know, this big milestone in his life. And I would feel safe to say um, that he will make it past his 100th year, don't you think? He's, he doesn't seem to be slowing down at all to me. No, my prediction is that he does not make it to 100 years old. No way. Wait, what month is his birthday? Do you know? Like November or October Uh or September. Yeah. Uh I don't think he makes it to that. Why? Do you not think he's um, vibrant and thriving? No, I think he's. I think he's perfectly healthy, perfectly great. But like, it's he. He fell, you know, a couple months ago, and it takes a while to recover from that. Uh And one more slip, one more fall, and. it's just as as our bodies age, they don't heal so quickly. And okay, any well, little my thing. My prediction is different. I predict he goes skiing this year. Oh my goodness! Okay, all right. I, if okay, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great story, Melissa. Thanks. Really- one more, one more milestone. Twenty twenty three, we hit a milestone, which was a record number of temple dedications in one year. So there were eleven temples dedicated in twenty twenty three. That hasn't happened for more than 20 years. The last time we had that many temples dedicated in one year was in the year 2000. However, it was 27 temples, which is a whoa, whole lot. Whoa. But anyways, wow. still, so that's, that's a pretty good. high number. Yeah. They're expensive to build. Yeah. Okay. Well, I have, you know, Melissa, this week or this year for Come Follow Me, we're studying the Book of Mormon. I did and know so- that. So there are a lot of stories at the first of the year about the Book of Mormon and Come Follow mm-hmm. Me resources and things like that. Okay. So one of the stories is that there's some the the newest, the final, the last Book of Mormon videos are coming out this year. Are Have those you, the ones put on by the church and they like mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Have, I, I'm sorry. I don't. I haven't watched any of them. <laughs> oh, well, I've I mean, tried. I'm sure they're great. Um, um, I I don't know. Are they for children? Are they for Sunday school classes? I I haven't had a, a need or a you know. But back desire. in the day when I when I taught early morning seminary, mm-hmm. um, I thought videos like that were really helpful because yeah. sometimes you wanted to just tell a story and you didn't want to necessarily read the whole story, so you could kind yeah. of. Watch it's a, a video, good way to illustrate. Uh-huh. Get the yeah. background or whatever. So okay. I think that's their primary intention. Yeah, I think um, if you don't really have, like, if you haven't read the Book of Mormon several times, right? You don't have a lot of those in your head already. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's okay, my so problem. So they're going to wrap the up. They're going to have a finale yeah. this year. Okay. Yeah, they're, they're going to. Yep. And I think you can get them in your Gospel Library app, or almost for sure in the Come Follow Me manual. Right? They'll just be little mm-hmm. links to those videos. Yeah. Yeah, and the two hundred millionth copy of the Book of Mormon has now been distributed to somebody. Oh wow, that's a lot! Two hundred million. So, yeah, like, that's... ever since the Book of Mormon was published, that's the number that we're at. Yeah, I wonder how that's they keep almost, track of that. That's almost as many views as Mr. Beast gets on his YouTube videos. <laughs> oh, per video. <laughs> that's like uh, half of a Taylor Swift music video. Okay. Well, putting that into context, um, you're making it feel small, but uh, 200 million is a very large number. No, no, it's good, right? And it's a book and it's longer than a music video. So how do you think they keep track of that? Like how many they've published? Yeah, they right. Because they print them all at church headquarters Uh and then they ship them all from there. So every request for a Book of Mormon, they know exactly how many there have been. Okay. They don't know who got it. They should have done a Willy Wonka golden ticket inside of that and said, <gasps> yes. you have the 200 millionth Book of Mormon. And then, then, and then yeah. do, do a Mr. Beast prize or something like that. And then yeah, that video. They could have definitely gotten some good video footage out of that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, well. Huh. Okay. And then there's some stories about two books. We talked about this one before. It's called The Annotated Book of Mormon. It's by Grant Hardy. Yeah. I've, I've actually been reading that. Um, with for my Book of Mormon study, and I strongly okay. recommend it. It's super good. Really? What What do you like about it? There's this two is things. one that was like the annotated. I think you remember you said it was like he ha- he did another one earlier. Yeah, he ha- he had a companion to the Book of Mormon, and then this just puts it all together into one book. And it's okay. published by Oxford University Press. So the the target audience is not members of the church, but oh, okay. I like it because. In the book of Isaiah, for example, he'll go through and he'll highlight in the text the changes. Like, this is what Isaiah says in the Old Testament, and this has been added to it by Nephi, or this has been taken out of it by Nephi. So you can see the changes of the... Because we just think, oh, we're just reading Isaiah, and it's the same as Isaiah, mm-hmm, because nobody's mm-hmm. like reading them side by side. Okay. And and then what I did in the Isaiah chapters is I also pulled up the Dead Sea Scrolls translation of Isaiah. Oh, interesting. And so it's really fun to see like what Nephi includes that's not in the Dead Sea Scrolls or not in the Old Testament or that's hmm. in one but not the other. There's, yeah. So there's a lot of like that stuff that you're like, wow, like this isn't just copying from the Old Testament. Uh-huh. Like the changes are meaningful. Huh. Okay. And then the other thing he does that I really like is if there's a phrase in the Book of Mormon that is only in the Book of Mormon and not in the Bible – He'll, it'll say, have this little footnote that's like, this phrase is only, it's not in the Bible anywhere, but you see it eight times in the Book of Mormon, and this is the first time. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You've so, convinced me. That sounds actually really like a really interesting way to read the Book of Mormon this year. 
Yeah, and then what I do is I put those notes on, I go online to my account, and then I put those notes in my online version of the Book of Mormon so that okay. when Come Follow Me gets there, I can yeah. seem really, really smart. Right. It's all about appearing to be brilliant. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. So you're the person who raises their hand in Sunday school class and is like, you know, according to the Dead Sea Scrolls, and then you. <laughs> Have like, you ever considered that the Dead Sea Scrolls says ships of Tarshish mm-hmm, and the Old Testament mm-hmm. says sea of Tarshish? Mm-hmm. But for <laughs> and then the Sunday like, school teacher, wow. if it's me, is like, okay, for reals? For reals. <laughs> No, I never considered it. I spent 14 hours preparing this lesson. Why don't you just be quiet? But but like, so I was reading Jacob recently. There is this interesting one that I remember because I just read it. Um, There's this phrase in there that talks about the costliness of their apparel as a form of pride. Like they're interested in wearing fine clothes. He's like, this isn't anywhere in the Old Testament, in the Bible. And you okay. see it this many times in the Book of Mormon, and people spending money like focused on the costliness of their apparel is always a sin in the Book of Mormon, but not even uh-huh. mentioned in the Bible. And so you uh-huh. can be like, hmm, maybe yeah. that's a plain maybe and that's precious for truth. our day. Yeah, see, something right? like that. Okay. Hey, um, what I would love for you to do is just share those notes with me so I don't have to go through the work, but I can be the smarty <laughs> pants. Okay. Does that sound good? Okay. You can just log into my account, Melissa. I'll just log into your account. <laughs> My kids um, think I'm so smart. They're like, wow, dad is such a I don't think they scoop. do, Matt. No, I've talked to your kids. They don't. They don't. You're not fooling them. <laughs> and there's one last uh, book I want to mention. It's an illustrated Book of Mormon timeline. So it's okay. for kids and people who aren't as familiar with things in the Book of Mormon. It's a really easy way to understand the chronology of what's happening in the Book of Mormon because it bounces around so much. Okay. So, yeah. I love timelines. Uh, yeah. We'll have links to that in the show notes. Okay, well, the Sunday School General Presidency did come out with a statement on the reasons why behind the new Come Follow Me manual, because this year, instead of having a separate manual for Sunday School, Young Men, Young Women, Home Use, even Seminary, um, it's all consolidated into one Come Follow Me manual. Um, You've probably noticed that, right? As you've been, you know, studying. my wife teaches primary, so there's a different primary one, and I teach the youth, so there's a different youth one, but now it's all mm-hmm. the same. Yeah, it's all the same. And so the Sunday School Presidency just kind of wanted to explain why they did that. This is the first time that we will be reinvestigating a book, so the Book of Mormon. This will be the second time we're reading the Book of Mormon since Come Follow Me started, okay? So did and, let me just clarify. Yeah. Did Come Follow Me start with the two-hour two scripture block, or did it start before the two-hour? No. Okay. The two-hour church block? Yeah. Yeah. So when they – this is kind of one of the things the Sunday School Presidency said. They said when we were planning this all, it was three-hour church, and so there was going to be an oh. hour of Sunday school, an hour of young men, young women, two hours of primary. And so it seemed important that we had separate manuals. Then we went to two-hour ter- church, and then COVID hit, and we were doing church from home. And so, like, oh. things have really changed a lot since they initially put out all those separate manuals. Um, and so, that's part of one of the reasons is, like, the way that we're living church these days is so different than we were just four years mm-hmm. ago. It's kind of mm-hmm. crazy to think about, really. Right. Um, and then they said, like, um, you have to translate these manuals into over 70 languages. Like, Ooh. that's not a simple process if you think yeah. about it. And so while we're going through the Book of Mormon for the second time, they didn't want to have all the same manuals because four years isn't really that long. 
So they did want to like refresh things, but they didn't want to refresh like four different manuals. So that was part of the consideration in it too. But overall, they just said like um, scripture study is a personal thing. And so the new manual is a little bit more robust. Like we have sections just for primary age kids or just for youth kids. Um, But overall, like it should be personal study. And so we want you to focus on the manual. That's important. But more than that, we want you to focus on the scriptures. We want you to read the scriptures. And they even specifically said like, we know a lot of you are just like listening to a podcast about come follow me and calling that scripture study and don't count that. Like what? They, that doesn't yeah, count. They weren't like it's bad, but they were like that is not the focus. That doesn't count as reading your scriptures and studying come follow me. So like all of these things are great tools, but at the end of the day, we want you in the scriptures. So I think that's a good reminder. So Melissa, do you ever use the manual? Like they handed out manuals a couple of weeks ago, right? Did you pick yeah. up your Well, that's the other thing they said. We want every member of the church to have a physical copy of the manual in your home. That that is what they said. But I never open it, ever. I know. Well, okay. So they said, like, we understand that um, electronic access is easy and good, and, and we're happy with that. But what the manual is, is kind of like a symbol. Like this is a symbol that this is a Latter-day Saint home, is what they said, which I think is interesting. Mm. Um, And then the fact that just having it laying out, you're more likely to walk by and just pick it up and flip through it. And so they want a physical copy there so that, you know, while you're watching, who is it on YouTube that you're watching? Mr. Beast. (laughs) Mr. Beast. (laughs) You might also have a great lesson about the Book of Mormon. Wait, I should say Mark Rober because he's a member of our church. I'm watching Mark Rober on YouTube. And then I'll be like, you Um, know what? I wonder what Come Follow Me is saying about the Book of Mormon this week. Yeah. Like if I didn't have to use it in my calling, I would never open up the manual ever. The physical manual. Or yeah, the even electron. even this one. Yeah. It's like, oh. I, I always I open it up and read through it before I go to church that week. Um hmm. I, I I like to know like what the main points are. Um yeah. and then I like to read that specific part of scripture that like the whole church is reading together. I know our ward did not order physical copies of the books for everyone. We were like, who yeah. wants one? And like four people said yes, and that's all we ordered. <laughs> but apparently is, we should have gotten y- one for every single family. Yeah, this is the, the YSA, YSA word. Yeah. No, yeah. that's how it is in YSA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We, we yeah. would order them for all of these young people, and then we would have boxes that would just sit in these offices, mm-hmm. and yeah. no one would use them. Yeah. Okay, well, my next segment, next group of stories is about the youth in the church. There's a a couple of stories out there. First, on January 28th, there's going to be a worldwide discussion for youth with um, Elder Stevenson and then the presidents of the Young Men's and Young Women's Organization. Okay, Um, so a discussion is the kind of a thing where they submit questions and then these people answer them or something like that? So I was in the temple recently, and I remembered I'm not supposed to say evil things about the Lord's anointed. So I try not to voice <laughs> voice my opinions about these discussions. But um, every time I sit through these discussions, I think, well, I, I go with my kids, right? And my so I've right. got a te- two teenage boys, and they do not love these discussions. Mm-hmm. They, something about having um, people sit around answering questions like mm-hmm. just doesn't do it for them. Yeah, so I don't the know what this is. The format is weird be. to me too. Like I just. I feel like, first of all, we all know what to expect because we do the same thing every time. And I think, you know, like I think the new young women's presidency is doing a great job, like rethinking things. Their social media approach is great. Their approach to even just like speaking in conference, like I loved that. 
young men's presidency, I think is really kind of following that lead. Um, but I do think this whole discussion and act like just go back and say it's a fireside. Like that's what it is. Let's and not honestly, try to pretend like we're having a actual discussion. And then or, you know what they do when they have like the teenagers pretend to be like newscasters and be like, so and so from Iowa asked this really intriguing question. You know, like okay. It feels yeah. fake. It doesn't it, does. it doesn't feel it, it feels phony. Yeah. 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 And honestly, I think that my kids are socialized into listen to the talks from the people that are speaking. Okay. So so this is like, well, we're going to change it to a new format. And I just don't think they're quite socialized to that. It's like mm, they're, mm-hmm. they're trained to sit there and listen and not engage with the speaker while they give a talk. Hmm. And a discussion mm-hmm. is supposed to maybe make you feel like you're engaged, but you're mm-hmm. not any more engaged than if they were just standing there giving a talk. So yeah, yeah, yeah I don't it know. needs some work. I mean, I, I appreciate I can see what they're trying to do, but yeah, yeah it needs some work. Anyway, so that's going to happen. There's the new youth theme, and along with that is a music video of the youth theme song. Okay, so again, what's the because, theme? Uh, I'm a disciple of Christ. Okay. I think that's what it is. Let me look it up real fast. And I watched the music video because I thought, you know, that's what I should do as a adult leader. I should watch the music video. Yeah, okay. I'm a disciple of Christ. And okay. And again, I don't like to be too critical. First, the song, I was like, this is a little country for me. I'm not into country. But then, Ooh. but the words, uh, they're really good words. But then there was this like symbolism in it where they're like lighting this like white box and putting it in the water. And and I, I just got totally lost on me as they would just do pictures around the world of these light boxes floating in the water. So okay. I don't know. I didn't quite get it, but I'm not okay. the target audience, so maybe I don't need to get it. But yeah. if you want to watch a motivational music video, okay, I mean, the church has one out there. We've got a link to it. Okay. Um, all right. Okay. The next, the next story I kind of want your opinion on a little bit more. So you remember back in the day, if you won, if you earned your young womanhood medallion, you yes. get a, a prize and the Eagle Scout, you'd get merit badges and all you'd that get, stuff. You'd get a beautiful necklace. And like now it, there's there's nothing like that, right? Can can you still um, buy awards for the youth program? Um, I think you can. It's been a minute since I've had a youth in the youth program, but the last yeah. I remember is that uh, I don't remember. Yeah, I really don't remember. Well, and so this article in the Deseret News is encouraging parents to celebrate the spiritual milestones with their youth. Saying, okay. look, you're not getting a necklace and you're not getting a merit badge, but you should be celebrating when your children accomplish these goals in the youth program. And, huh. and the article has a list of ideas and ways that you could do that. Um, okay. So if you can th- you tell I'm feeling like uncomfortable with this? <laughs> yeah, this is what I wanted to know what you thought about that. Okay. Okay. The article I- title is Why Parents and Leaders Should Celebrate the Spiritual Milestones of Latter-day Saint Youth. Okay. Yeah, what makes you uncomfortable, Melissa? Well, first of all, there's this feeling of a trophy for every person, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I I don't like that mentality. Um, And, like, for example, when we announce in sacrament meeting that someone has been baptized, right? So when you get baptized, the bishop um, goes up and and sometimes he calls you up to the stand and he says, hey, so-and-so has been baptized. We'd like to welcome them to the ward or welcome them as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, right? And we kind of recognize them and that's a way of honoring them. But my recollection is that specifically in the handbook, the bishop is not supposed to say, we'd like to congratulate them, right? 
because that's wow. not what it, we're not congratulating you for choosing to follow Jesus Christ. We're not congratulating you for making a covenant. We're recognizing a milestone. But I, I do think that there's a subtle difference between that. So I'm looking at this article now and it's like, yeah. hey, for example, take your child out to a special dinner to honor his or her choice. To be baptized. Um, yeah. And, let, and um, youth could volunteer to babysit for a thing like that. Mm-hmm. So you're Have not celebrating, son, you're right. honoring. You're commemorating. Have a father-son camp out and discuss the restoration of the priesthood and responsibilities of those who are ordained to its various offices. Huh, okay. <laughs> Have a mother-daughter outing to discuss the importance of patriarchal blessings and when you can know it is the right time to receive one. Yeah, these are... I guess these are just creating like moments around events, which I feel yeah. like we do do a lot in the church. Yeah. I think that's different from saying like, because another paragraph in this article says that we need to rejoice along the covenant path. And um, this is the young men's general president. When asked, what's the new Eagle Scout? You should say it's called a temple recommend. Mm-hmm. Hmm, that that's feels very to different me. to me. That feels yeah. very different to me. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're getting an award for making good choices and keeping good covenants. I'm not saying those things are wrong to do, right? But we, I'm just I do saying think, we don't do it with adults. If we don't do it with adults, right? we shouldn't do it with kids. Well, and, and I think we're missing the fact that those things were like goals that we set to accomplish specifically in specific areas, some of which were spiritual areas, but yeah. a lot of which were um, not spiritual, right? They were like leadership or career or you yeah. know learning how to do something or service or a lot of different things. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, I think that a- as a parent, I try to schedule things so that opportunities to discuss the gospel with my kids. Uh-huh. Um, I don't try to make them parties or fun or anything like that because I just, Sometimes it feels like it detracts a little bit from it. Like if with the youth, sometimes you got to have refreshments after a fireside yep. just to kind of keep them coming to the fireside. But I feel like as a parent, I don't need to do that. And so I try not to do that. But I schedule things like family home evening or mm-hmm. come follow me. Mm-hmm. It's, I feel like we already have enough things in the church that give us opportunities to discuss these milestones with our kids. I don't need to create new ones. Yeah. I think when I dig down, what makes me uncomfortable is that I'm saying that I'm celebrating you for being a good person. And what I don't want my kids to learn is that you're only a good person when you make the good choices that I think you should make, right? Mm -hmm. Our worthiness or our, you know, our value to God is not simply based on us always doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's my disconnect there is being like, I'm going to celebrate you for making a covenant. I'm going to celebrate you for getting going to seminary, yeah. getting a patriarchal blessing. That yeah. feels a little bit like I'm celebrating you and valuing you because you're worthy for something. And I, that's mm-hmm. not the way I like to teach worthiness or value. But if they set goals, because they do set goals in these four different areas, right? Yeah, Social. yeah. If they set goals and then accomplish their goals, it's okay to celebrate that they've yeah, that's accomplished awesome. a goal. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. Um, another quick story is just that um, the Temple Square in Salt Lake City is um, – is the renovation is ongoing and it's still going to be several years until the Temple and Temple Square are completely renovated. But they are opening up portions of it because they are – 
completed. If you're interested in what's going on there and maybe want to visit, then just go ahead and click the note in our show link. It is nice that they're going to open up the gardens because uh, uh-huh. they've been closed. I was, yeah. <laughs> again, I don't always follow the rules, but I was there and I was like, I'm just going to take a quick shortcut through the gardens there to get from the church headquarters over to the Joseph Smith building. And I like start walking through the church office building and this nice woman's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm going to cut through. She's like, you can't cut through. It's closed. <laughs> now it's open. So you can cut through again if you want to. That's yeah. the That's the big news. Good job. <laughs> so my next story is also really short. There's a gospel language symbols. I don't know if it's in, I looked on the story. You can look in the notes if you want to for more details. I don't know if it's in gospel library or not, but there's like 150 symbols of if you have people that cannot communicate with words or, you know, like small children that like pictures more than words, there's these little icons that you can use to help teach gospel principles, which Are they is like- nice. Emojis, like it's kind of like like there's this whole library of symbols, but I don't know if you like add them to, I don't know how you use them. So like back in the day, I taught seminary for disabled kids. And in those classes, it was just a very different kind of seminary. And I would always Google search Jesus Christ clip art. And then I'd get some kind of clip art that was not colored in of Jesus doing something or other. Uh-huh. And then I could create like a coloring page that they could like color. Okay. Yeah. I know what you Jesus. mean. Yeah. So I think it's that kind of a thing. Uh-huh. I, would, I would call it more clip art, but that's just maybe my generation's word for that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. That's what Sounds it is. good. Yeah. Okay. Have you ever had something happen in your church, like sacrament meeting where you've had like a medical emergency and an ambulance show up? No. Oh, okay. I have. Um, oh. A couple of times, actually. One time I remember specifically, we were about halfway through sacrament meeting, and an elderly man, he was much older than 60, sitting way in the back, um, actually had a heart attack. Whoa. And the people around him, like suddenly he just like went to the ground. The people around him started like trying to resuscitate him. And the speaker was up on the stand and was kind of like, what's going on back there? Do I continue? Um, the bishop jumped up and said, I need everybody to sit down and I need you and you to call 911. And Whoa. then, yeah. And then, um, then he actually ran to the back. The bishop did. And just like, everybody, please remain seated. You and you call 911. Ambulance came in and um, took the brother out. And, um, so and that all happened the in the middle they, of sacrament meeting. Mm-hmm. Everyone just sat there and waited. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh, that would be so embarrassing. Well, and they did they did transfer him out into the foyer so that everybody wasn't like staring at him. But oh, okay. while they waited for the um ambulance to come. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, kind of crazy. Um, well, what do you how do you think it would be if um uh over half of your congregation had to be hospitalized? <laughs> yeah. What, what happened in the church that so, was like the poisoned bread car- or something? Yeah, carbon monoxide poisoning at oh. a church in Monroe, Utah. So that's in kind of southwestern Utah. Really, yeah. really small, really small town. We have yeah. family there. Shout out to all the Miles in Monroe, Utah. Yeah, our um, uncle lives there. Uh-huh. Yeah. So 54 people who attended um church that day. Um New, it was New Year's Eve. It was that New Year's yeah. Eve church. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, were sent to the hospital. 49 were treated for elevated levels of poisonous carbon monoxide. And wow. they said it was blamed on a malfunction with the building's heating system. 
And so they had to close down the church. And yeah, a lot of people were hospitalized. I'm going to find this message. So Uncle Mike, I emailed him. I was like, hey, did this did this happen to you? Mm-hmm. And this is what he told me. Because he didn't go to the hospital, but I think what happened to him was worse. Oh, okay. So first he said it was kind of like a nice spiritual experience because- Well, it's Christmas Sunday, right? New like, Year's Eve. Yeah, yeah. But you're <clears> in that holiday season. Yeah. So he his he has a grandson there that had just recently been made an elder, and so he was able to give him a blessing. Uh-huh. But okay, so this is what he said: at least twenty five went to hospitals to do degas bariatric chambers. Oh wow! Uh, his wife and other people spent three hours in one. He said, "I would have two, but my ears couldn't take it, so I spent twelve hours napping and breathing pure oxygen, and huh. most of the effects are now gone." But he still has a little brain fog at that time. Wow. That's actually, that would be my dream. 12 that would hours be your of dream. pure 12 oxygen. 12 hours of pure oxygen. Yeah. Oh, please write him back and let him know how <laughs> wonderful <laughs> you think that would be. <laughs> well, so again, he let me know it was not a great experience, but <laughs> yeah, there's yeah. like tender mercies and these kinds of things. But I can't uh-huh. imagine going to church and yeah. then everybody gets carbon monoxide poisoning. Especially in a small town like that, because you're all worried about each other because you all know each other, you know? Yeah. You know, not very long ago, Elder Gong gave a talk in General Conference talking about the percentage of people from Monroe, Utah that go on missions. And so they were feeling really proud of themselves. So then maybe, I don't know, Melissa, maybe this is like, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't know what you're getting at either. But when you you get that conspiracy theory all worked out, jump back. (laughs) Hey, so the city of Nauvoo, which, by the way, is not a very large place. They're hosting a conference in February that, listener, if you want to attend, you can. You don't even have to pre-register. You can just show up to Nauvoo and register the day of and attend this. It's okay. called, it's discussing the untold stories of their city. And so there's okay. some historians that are going to talk about all of these things people didn't know about Nauvoo, which oh. one of them I thought would be kind of fun to discuss is, did you know, Melissa, that after the Mormons were kicked out of Nauvoo, all their homes were left there, and a group of French utopian socialists, this hmm. is the Nauvoo word for them, right? Okay. They were actually communists, moved okay. in to all of those homes in Nauvoo, and uh, they were not able to make a go of things. And John Taylor uh-huh. actually writes about this. He's like, those communists think they're so smart. that We built this city from nothing in a swamp, and then we left them everything, and then they moved in, and they couldn't even make it work. So communism's not that great. Anyhow, now, can- I can see you enjoying and going to this conference. This seems right up your alley. Wouldn't that be fun? They're going to talk about um, some high school stories from the 1970s that maybe people have forgotten about. All kinds of fun Nauvoo history. Fabulous. Yeah. Fabulous. Okay, I've got a kind of a crazy story. So um, this happened in Idaho Falls, Idaho. That's um, crazy. Well, I yeah. know, crazy. <laughs> so an 81-year-old man was charged with a felony, actually, after he was stalking, charged with stalking his LDS church leader. Hey, what? I know. But listen to what the stalking consisted of. This is so weird. Okay. So this 81-year-old man, just to be clear, this happened multiple times, this kind of um, this kind of activity. Okay. Um, so because it had been happening so many times, they put a protection order in place. But this, this old man, he just couldn't stop doing it. So what he would do... <laughs> is he would um, either follow around his church leader or, in this particular instance, he hid in the bathroom and waited for him No, <laughs> inside the church. Yeah, well, His church leader has to be the bishop, right? 
It's yeah, not just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. No, no, no. Yeah, it's so he's bishop. hiding so in the bathroom waiting for the bishop to show up. He's hiding in the church. Sometimes he's entering the church when the bishop's there alone or you know with other people. But this particular one, he was hiding inside the bathroom waiting for the bishop to enter. And what he does when he sees his bishop is he hands him these um, these handwritten cards. Okay. <laughs> So he has all these cards written up that he needs to deliver these messages to his bishop, okay? So this time what he did is he he gave him a plastic yellow shovel with a card that said, Revelations 2012, keep digging. (laughs) The other one read, arrest and prosecute me, ye dim-witted spiritual buffoon. What? They have scriptures Uh. on them, some of them, and sometimes they just have things that he needs to say. Um, But anyways, it's happened enough and gotten to the point that they have actually booked him into jail and he has a $25,000 bond. And here's the thing. I do feel bad for the priesthood leader who has to keep dealing with this. Maybe he feels scared or violated. But a lot of the comments in this story are people who know this old man and they're like, listen, he has not always been like this. Clearly, he's suffering from some mental incapabilities. Mm. He's clearly like diminishing in his oh. brain and this is nothing like him and and can we please have some compassion for him and and I do think it's an interesting story just because yeah, yeah we we do need to have compassion for him and we don't know exactly what's going on with him and and at the same time I understand like a bishop being like okay bishop. we got to stop this like <laughs> seriously do they don't anymore. get paid anything for these jobs yeah like bishops don't have enough to do already let's stalk the bishop yeah. Now, if he was stalking an elders quorum president, it would be different in my opinion because everybody ignores the poor elders quorum president. And he's <laughs> like, please, can we talk about ministering? And the, no, 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 no. I don't no. want to talk to you about that. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, I think, Melissa, you said that this 81-year-old man was old. And so I think you're going to get some emails yeah. saying 81 is 81 years young. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> I'm ready right. for it. Okay. <laughs> my next story is the J. Willard Marriott Library at the University of Utah has a digital database of primary sources dealing with the legislative debates on slavery in Utah's territorial government in 1852 and 1856. So, Oh, really? That yeah, actually sounds really interesting. Yeah, I like it because there's a lot of stuff you'll read on the internet about what Brigham Young said about black people and Orson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all these, you can just go to this database. We have a link to the story in the show notes. Uh-huh. You can just go and read whatever it is that's out there, and you can formulate your own opinion by reading okay, the primary source documents. This is the beginning of what you would like to see, which is now the Brigham Young Papers. I know. Oh, <laughs> I would love to have the Brigham Young Papers. Yeah. So, yeah. so my other passion, Melissa, besides uh, obscure history, is reality television. And there's some oh. r- there's some really fun <laughs> reality television is related there? to our church. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All do you, right. Do you watch docu series on Netflix? Is that a sure? Thing you sometimes, do? yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a new one out. It's uh, okay. A Mormon called, one. Yeah, it's called Daughters of the Cult. Oh, and it's all about Ervil LeBaron. You might not know LeBaron. him by that name. He's also known as the Mormon Mon- Manson. Mormon Manson. The Mormon Manson. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know I, if I know this story. I think they're a cult. <laughs> they're not really Well, Mormons. the Daughters of the Cult would give us that impression. Daughters of the Cult will probably just make people think that it's our church. But I think that this guy had a little break-off group that uh-huh. was like Charles Manson, my guess is, which uh-huh. is why he's the Mormon Manson. Okay. Anyhow, 
Watch all about it. I've never seen misinformation on Netflix docuseries. They're always completely. Stop it. <laughs> Sometimes I feel like Netflix has an agenda against our church. Like I really I do. Know. Like yeah. a lot of the things that they put out, like I know a lot of church members watch them and are interested in them, but there's never there's never like a positive spin. It's always like right. and these creepy people I and know. this yeah, I Whereas yeah. with the Amish, you'll see good Amish content out mm-hmm. there sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Never good stuff about us. Well, I wonder what I can do about that. I'll think about it. Yeah. Maybe we have we should formulate some friendships with people at Netflix and say, hey, be nice to us. But maybe it's our fault because we are, we, you know, home to the real housewives of Salt Lake City. That's the next story. <laughs> so do you remember Heather the Bad Mormon? Okay, if I remember, you imply that I've ever watched The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City, which I haven't. Have you? uh, Yeah, yeah, I've watched. I watched season one. Okay. Um, Well, I mean, there was was a- It was hard for me to- It was hard for you to watch? Yeah. Well, okay, so um, the high school that I work at, we do this fundraiser every year for the Special Olympics, and it's because we have special needs students at our school. We raise money for their program. And so every year we put on this polar plunge- where we go jump into the freezing um, dam. And it's just like, it's just an event that people, it raises money for Special Olympics. Mm -hmm. So last year when we put on this event, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City came. No. They came to our event so they could jump into the Polar Pledge. They did? Yeah, they did. I honestly, I think anytime there's anything going on in Utah that's somewhat, I don't know, of note, because this Polar Plunge, (laughs) I mean, there's maybe 200 people in the whole valley that go to it. And yeah, yeah, here up come the Real Housewives to jump in. And I don't know. I guess it made good TV. I don't yeah. know. All I know is that when the Real Housewives showed up, everybody was like, oh, that's them. <laughs> they were there for maybe five and a half minutes, jumped in, got their shots and left. Flew and then I didn't even watch there. that episode on TV. But I know that people were all enthralled because they are so famous, I guess. Yeah. Well, I'm not generally into – that's like not my genre of TV. But <laughs> yeah. I was very curious – but I did feel that way the, with the first season. I was like, nothing is happening on this show except for okay. girls fighting with each other, which okay. sometimes that's enough. But but Heather, okay, Heather, she's a character. She's just a fun. She has a she book. She wrote out. a book. Yeah, yeah, Bad Mormon. That's why. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Heather. Okay. Well, in season three, she had a black eye, and nobody oh. knew why she had a black eye. Oh, but poor Heather. If you if you watch the season finale for season four, which aired this week. Okay. She tells the story of how, of how she, she got, got the black eye. Black eye. Now, I mean, I, I think w- it would be easy to determine since aren't they technically being filmed all the time? <laughs> People have their guesses. Okay. And I don't want to spoil it on This Week in Mormons. That's not the kind of I news we break here. But you can <laughs> you can follow the link and read who it was. Or you could watch the episode. I mean, if you care, you probably already watched the episode and you already know. But. Uh-huh. That is a salacious story that's kind of fun that we should – I mean, <laughs> she's a Mormon-adjacent individual, and so <laughs> She definitely not? claims to be Mormon, I think. Don't most of them claim to be Mormon? No. Or no, former Mormon? Uh, there's fights about that on the show. Oh, okay. How If you leave the church the right way. Oh, okay. I don't think any of them claim to still be Mormon. They claim okay. to not be. Yeah. Okay. Well – that on was that subject, very exciting. Yes. Let's talk, let's talk famous Mormons. I mean, okay. obviously. Oh, are you going to tell me which of the famous housewives are? <laughs> <laughs> nope. This is a different one. Okay. These people okay. were all contestants on The Voice. Do you know that okay. show, the, the Voice? I like The Voice. Okay. That's the one where 
like it's like Blake Shelton and Kelly Clarkson. Yeah, they spin their chairs around. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. Did you know I went and watched them film that show live one time? No, where at? In California? Yeah, at Universal Studios. Who were the judges? Blake was there. Okay. Adam Levine. I like Adam Levine. Uh huh. Yeah, and Kelly Clarkson. I think she was there. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and fun. Okay. I just remember every time there was a break, everybody would yell, Adam, Adam, Adam. And he would ignore oh, them because the, the makeup people were doing his makeup and he couldn't oh. be bothered with that. But, okay. That yeah, was, was a really good story. Thanks for sharing that. So <laughs> turns out that someone who was a member of our church was on that show. Was on so, the show. Okay. Yeah. okay. They actually made it pretty far in one in their season. Okay. So we've got okay. Morgan Wallen. Morgan you know Wallen, Morgan Wallen is a country singer. Yes. Yeah. He sings up, down, up, down. A lot of songs about whiskey. A lot of songs oh, about so um, perhaps, stepping out. Is that per, the right word? Stepping out on his lady. He's not the okay. famous Mormon then, perhaps. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Madeline Page? Madeline Page is- She was on the same she's season young, with Morgan. right? Like she's kind of young? No. Well, she was at the time. Yeah. She was like a okay. teenager. But now okay. she's in her 20s. And okay. Jordan Smith. Jordan Smith. Um, was, he's a larger fella. I was going to say she. Okay. No, no. <laughs> it's, he's he's very heavy. Okay. And he sings like gospel music, but okay. um, yeah. Okay. Which one of these is a famous Mormon? Yeah. Um, I am going to guess. Well, remember when there was that big YSA conference and there was a couple of Jordans that performed? Yeah. Is one of them this Jordan? Nope. Oh, then I guess I still guess him. Jordan Smith? Yeah. It is not Jordan Smith. By the way, his genre is pop contemporary Christian gospel. So I thought oh. I might fool you with that, right? Because you did. You fooled me. It's Madeline Page. Madeline Page. Okay. Yeah. She's okay. from yeah. Is she I don't know. um is she still LDS? She's a singer, songwriter. Yeah, she's LDS and she's just great. Okay. Everybody should go buy her album because she's a famous Mormon. Does she sing any LDS music? No. Oh, okay. Madeline Maybe. Page. Maybe. We don't know. You know, Melissa, we know? we're running out of famous Mormons for this segment. No, <laughs> There's only no. So many Come on, Mormons. Matt. Come on. Come on. Yeah. Okay, Madeline Page. I'll give her a listen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Matt, let's move on to Big Deal, Little Deal, No Deal. Okay. I this love is it. what most people really enjoy playing along with. So Yeah, I, I like this I, one. I think it's important. Okay, I'm going to give you a headline. Okay. Okay, now, we've rewritten these so that they give a little bit more information but before we decide big deal, little deal, or no deal. Okay, so here we go. Okay, most Utahns don't identify as LDS. In other words, there are more non-members in Utah than church members. Big deal, little deal, or no deal. Three, two, one. Big deal. Big deal. Okay, good. Hey, we both agree it's a big deal. Yeah, Yeah, so I think it's a big deal – Partly because I think it's surprising. Like, I feel like when I go out and about in the world in Utah, that most of the people I interact with, I assume are Mormon or at least partially Mormon or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I think that part is a little bit of a big deal just because it's surprising. But then I also think it's a big deal just because, um, like, frankly, that means that there's a lot of missionary work to be done in Utah. And by missionary work, I mean even simple things like, the language that we use, we need to be way more inclusive and broad in our language. Like, I don't know how many times, like, I say things like FHE or YSA, 
mm-hmm. assuming that people around me know what I'm talking about. And and the fact of the matter is most people, the majority of people in Utah are not familiar with those sorts of terms. What do you think? Um, on New Year's Eve, we went to Christmas Mass at the Presbyterian Church in Logan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we I've done like that to before. Do that. It's a great yeah. experience, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And I noticed that they did a really good job of welcoming everybody who came, and they did a really good job of explaining everything. Because hmm. I've been to, to Presbyterian Mass or Episcopalian Mass in other states where there's like predominantly not Mormons, like in California, and they didn't explain anything. And I was very confused what was happening. And so sure. this experience, I thought, we could learn a lot from this church about uh-huh. how you should behave. And not assuming that everybody who's there is a member of your church and even understands what you're doing in your church. Yeah. And so I think, yeah, this that's why I think it's a big deal is like recognizing that not e- even in Utah, where there's like millions of Mormons, right? There's probably right. at least a million Mormons in Utah. That means there's also a million that are not Mormons. Right. And yeah. so it's good to like recognize that. Yeah, I think so too. In our in our church service, we should recognize that there's going to be people there that don't know what's happening, and it wouldn't kill us to be friendly and to explain to them what's going on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, there is okay. a related story. I kind of need you to explain it to me, though. But, yeah, so um, this guy Matt Marcin Martinich, uh-huh. he he's he like keeps track of like LDS church glo- growth globally. Okay. And and so he looks at the number of wards and stakes as an indicator of how many members there are. Okay. This, this other story is based on a survey, like what is your religion? Mm-hmm. And people just so, tell you. So basically a basic survey where you ask people in Utah, what's your religion? And they say what it is. But yeah. then I think it's also based on like church statistics. Well, that's what this other guy is doing, right? So okay. this other guy is saying – well, let's look at like how many wards there are and how many average people there are in those wards and percent of active people in that ward. And okay. so he breaks it down and he says for at least a hundred years, there have a, the active members of the church uh, ha, have been a minority in Utah for at least a hundred years. Yeah. 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 So he says there's a lot of people. In, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because it's, we assume, well, we assume a lot of things, but yeah. there's a big difference be- between being an active member of the church and being a member of the church on record. And yeah, I think too often we feel like, well, those people have had an opportunity to learn the truth and they don't want it. So we just kind of ignore them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Okay. So my my story is not necessarily a Mormon story. It's okay. Utah and religion. And Okay. That ba- sounds good. And jazz. <laughs> And jazz. Okay. <laughs> so this here's the headline. Signs reading, I'm a Jew and I'm proud, caused a disruption at a Utah jazz basketball game. Okay. Um, in, in essence, well, I'll, we'll talk about the story in a second. Okay. Okay. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one, no deal. Big deal. Oh, Okay. Well, there's a couple of reasons I say it's a big deal. First of all, with what's going on in the world with Israel, there's a lot of tension and emotion surrounding Jews, right? Yes. yes. So I think that 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 gives us like a big deal because this is something big that's happening in the world like that that we need to talk about and think about. And then also big deal because, you know, the Utah Jazz are on a national stage, right? So this yeah. is something that was seen by a lot of people. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think 
I, I mean, I don't know yeah. this complete story, but it just seems to me like this is something that got attention for a reason. I don't know. What do you think? Well, there was there was a basketball player in town, Kyrie Irving. He plays for okay. the Dallas Mavericks. And okay. he has made anti-Semitic statements in the past. Oh, okay. And so these people came to the Utah Jazz game with these posters trying to like get a reaction from this basketball player. So they were kind of taunting him, but yeah. in a way that they probably deserved to be able to do because yeah. there's no, it's not a bad message, right? I'm a Jew right. and I'm proud. Right. right. Okay. But I, I can understand why the Utah Jazz would say, we don't, this isn't the forum for that discussion. We're here so for a basketball game. So did those people game. get in trouble? Like, were they told you can't have your signs up or something? Yeah, they were told they had to get rid of their signs. Okay, okay. Yeah. Okay, And that's what caused the disruption, right? Because they're like, wait a minute. We didn't, We people put really naughty things on signs and this isn't mm-hmm. all that naughty, right? And but so, I guess where it was specifically targeting a player, like. Yeah. Yeah. Right, trying to make an issue about it. Mm-hmm. Utah but, Utah jazz fans have a history of doing much worse than this at basketball games. So do they do it to LDS people? Mostly they shout racist things at um, African American NBA players. Really? Yeah. yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. That's horrible. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. So that's the only reason I said little deal or no deal, because compared to the other things that have happened at jazz games, this is mild. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I think maybe next time we get together, we don't we're not going to have time on this episode, but when we do our twim takes, I think it would be a good time to talk about um racism in general in Utah and among Latter-day Saints because just yeah. because working at the high school, there are so many issues coming up among who I would say are good kids um and they really don't understand uh how racist they are and I know. what an impact that has. I know. It um, shocks me the things that I hear teenagers yeah. say. Yeah. So maybe maybe next month we'll talk about that. Okay. Here's okay. my next story. United States Latter-day Saints have significantly fewer student loans than the national average. In fact, with only 26% of Latter-day Saints between the ages of 20 and 40 who have been to college, only 26% of them say that they have student loan debt. Mm. Big deal, little deal, no deal. Three, two, one little deal. Little deal. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's know, a little deal. Go ahead. That, what that means is that church tithing dollars are paying for a lot of lot of tuition, right? Because they're going to church, <clears throat> they're being educated at church schools. Yeah. And well, the church is listen, spending I a think, lot of money trying to make it I think that's a great sp- expenditure of money, frankly. Like yeah. I think it's awesome that we have a way to educate so many people on such like w- without making them go into huge amounts of debts. Like yeah. that's a really successful program if you ask me. And if you're in the state of Utah and you have BYU and BYU Idaho both nearby, right. it really limits what other Utah schools can charge for tuition because kind they're of, targeting yeah. a similar population, right? Yeah, so to some extent. Yeah. I think University of Utah might be the most expensive. It but, is very expensive, yeah. But like Southern Utah or UVU like right. they're they're not going crazy the way other places in other states That's a are good point. because they yeah. have to. So there's even an indirect effect that the church yeah. has on tuition for kids. Yeah, I also think that with so many um, Latter Day Saints of college age serving missions, what happens is instead of moving out right to go to college their first year, they'll stay at home and save that living expense that a lot of young adults go into debt for to move out to go to college. Because they know they're going on a mission soon, they stay at home for that first year and and kind of save 
save that first year mm. of moving out college cost. I think that's a big thing. And I yeah. also think that in general, we are not big on getting into debt. So right. I know with all of my kids, I mean, the choice on where to go to college was primarily based on who gave them the most money, right? right. Who gave them yep. the best scholarship offers. Uh, because, you know, we've we've always taught them, like, it's not worth going into deep, deep debt for. Education right. is important, but you can be well-educated without being buried in debt. So, yeah. All right. My next story is church buys Miami Industrial Park for $174 million. Is that a big deal, little hmm. deal, or no deal? Three, two, one, no little deal. Little deal. You think no deal? We don't even know what they're doing with it, right? For, yeah, they bought some big warehouses and a lot of land. Um, don't you it's think it's just going to be like a, a church cannery or something like that? Like Maybe it's so going to be a secret farms. Amazon warehouse. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right, and the church hasn't told anybody what it's for. But yeah, there's a lot of these like industrial parks in Miami, and mm-hmm. and it's a great place if you need to ship goods around the world, which increasingly oh, the church does. Why yeah. wouldn't they want a huge storehouse so close where they to can the- then ship disaster relief supplies? Yeah, yeah. Huh, that's an interesting thought. Yeah, I just think it's a little deal because the church does seem to be making a lot of purchases and investment in land, yeah. and we're learning about it, right? Like we hear about it. Um, I think it's been going on for a long time, but we've kind of been unaware of it. Um, again, I've said this before. I think it's a great expenditure of money to be purchasing property and land. I think that's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, Matt, here's your headline. Are American Latter-day Saints actually more Republican? If so, are they more Republican simply because of where they live? I thought you would like this political article. <laughs> Three, two... One, no deal. No deal. No deal. Okay, Who we cares? both agree. No deal. Next story. Yeah. We don't even have to talk about it. Next right. story. Okay. The next story is um, a report by the Utah Women in Leadership Project shows that while Utah is performing well as a state, in fact, Utah is number one, there hmm. are vast gender differences in the way that some experience Utah's economic success. Hmm. Is that a big deal, a little deal, or no deal? Three, two, one big deal. Big deal. Yeah, I think it's a big deal. Okay. Explain it a little bit more to me. So this is a report that they just put out that summarized a lot of different findings. So uh-huh. you y- you can go and read the report. Some of the findings are going to be more what I would call like rigorous and maybe trustworthy, and some are uh-huh. going to be maybe a little bit less so. But generally, they find that women in Utah are m- much more likely to get raped and sexually abused than in other states more likely to have domestic violence than in other states. Hmm. Um, so it's like, on the one hand, it looks like, oh, Utah is great because the economy is strong and people want to live here and there's so and many good well things. educated and yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and more women in Utah get college degrees than in other places. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, there seems to be this like soft white underbelly of like other things going on that yeah. make it uh, more difficult for women than it ought yeah. to be. And I think when we talk about women's issues, especially in the church, we aren't talking about it in the right way because the response is always, oh, but women have such great opportunities to lead and to serve and to raise families. And all of those things are true. But I think what this story points out, and it's a really important point, is that we aren't doing a good job of teaching women how to um, defend and stand up for themselves. Number one, right? Like mm-hmm. you do not, you do not have to accept certain behavior from men. 
period. It doesn't matter if they're in your seminary class. It doesn't matter if they're the priest's quorum president in your ward. It doesn't matter who they are. Like You have to learn what's appropriate and what's not appropriate, and you have to feel that you have a voice. And I'm just not sure that we're getting that message out, right? Like report things, stand up for yourselves. You know, I, I'm not yeah. sure we're getting that message across. Well, and the reason why I think that this is a This Week in Mormon story rather than just a Utah story is that the church subsidizes a lot of the social services in the state of Utah, right? Like if you're hungry, you can go to an LDS bishop and get food. And there right. are a lot of things that if you're a member of the church, the church is there to help take care of those problems. But if you're not in the church, mm-hmm. and if you're not, if you don't have access to those resources, I feel like that's an area where the state is maybe not helping people out enough because there is this assumption that people who are truly in need, the church is going to take care of them. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that don't have access to those resources, mm-hmm. and there might not be other resources that are filling in those gaps. Yeah, and or. If they do go and report those things, right, things like rape and abuse, right, to um, a priesthood authority, I think a lot of times women are not, and those cases are not handled in a way that feels acceptable, right? Yeah. So yeah. you don't necessarily so, get somebody saying, hey, let's help you move out of your house this weekend. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do to keep you and your family safe? Safe. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's how yeah. can it, yeah, yeah. So that's why okay. I think it's a big deal. Okay. Well, speaking of women and um, and their behavior and um, their ability to, I don't know. <laughs> this isn't I, anything I to do with women. This has something to do with women. Yes, this does. Here's here's oh, okay. the headline. Okay, uh-huh. Mormon mom. It's mom because it's international. Oh, banned okay. from church. Banned from church over explicit photos she showed showed of herself on social media. She has many followers and makes tens of thousands per month off of her social media posts. Got it? Yep. Three, two, one. Big deal. Big deal. Oh, I'm glad we agree. I don't think it's a big deal because it's like a salacious story, which it is. If you click on the link, it's all about, oh, here's this salacious person and here's the kinds of poses she did and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. I think it's a big deal because, number one, it doesn't ex- explain exactly what banned from church means, but I'm assuming banned from church means some sort of discipline. like Right, because it's, it's in the United Kingdom, right? So they right. don't understand. Yeah. Right, right. Um, but also, this is what she does to support her family, right? Like, she she puts pictures of herself online, has followers, and continues to put pictures online, to, and she gets paid for that, Right. Um, so I think it's a big deal because, um, it, without being judgmental, right. Because I'm trying not to be, because it's not a choice that I would make to do. Um, what did she do that got her excommunicated? Well, so she has 200,000 followers on Instagram Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. and and she's doing stuff on Snapchat too. So that, so I decided I would just go to her Instagram channel and see what she's posting on there. Yeah, because it's and not like, nude, right? It's no, not right. It's like it's her in walking around and maybe her underwear in her house, mm-hmm. or her just like honestly, this, this seems to me very low quality. <laughs> <It doesn't> seem, <laughs> I don't understand why there are one hundred ninety-two thousand people following it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. but in terms of modesty, if I just want to be Mister Modesty Police for a second, yeah, 
yeah. the stuff that young women post in bathing suits, as swimsuits, mm-hmm. right, is right. way less modest than what she's posting on her yeah. Instagram channel. Yeah. She does put little comments that are like innuendo or something yes, like that. Yes, she's intentionally being edgy. There's no doubt, right? Right. But, but did I she... don't understand how that would put someone's membership in jeopardy. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I don't want I don't want them as a role model for my right. youth. I understand that. Like maybe I don't make her young women's president, right? Yeah. But, but I think she should still be able to. I maybe I don't know what I think. I don't actually know. I just think it's worth discussing. I think it's yeah. a big deal. Well, yeah. so in in these things, I always say, you know, I support local leaders, and I believe that yeah. they're inspired. And her bishops probably agree. They they know things that I don't know. But just as a sure. story, like the optics of it, mm-hmm. I say. I say, um, sometimes as a church, we get way too caught up in what other people are wearing and what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, like there are things that we say, if you do this, you lose your membership. If you do mm-hmm. this, like these things, right? There's apostasy, there's breaking sure. the law of chastity. Yeah. There's a whole, uh, like even on a temple recommend question, I don't know like what temple recommend questions she would necessarily fail. Because there's mm-hmm. nothing in there that's like, do you post videos of yourself in immodest clothes with innuendo? Yeah. Like, but so even that you don't have to be hold you don't have to hold a temple recommend in order to be a member of right. the church, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So <clears throat> the optics of it are bad, but yeah, I do I do always try to support local leaders because as we mentioned yeah, previously, they have a tough job and yeah. yeah. I understand. Okay, okay, well that's big deal, little deal, no deal. That was fun. We're gonna now. go to this week in Mormon history, Melissa. Oh so, man. Speak- this week in Mormon history. <laughs> Speaking of petty members of the church. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> okay. This is this is 115 years ago in 1909. Okay. Okay. So you might not remember this, but back in the day, there were 70s quorums in the ward and there were high priest quorums in the ward. Okay. Yeah. And elders quorums. Okay. Okay. Uh, so they're having a discussion about when they should hold 70s quorum meetings. Should it be Sundays or Mondays? Okay. Elder, Elder Francis Lyman made mention of the friction of long-standing uh, of friction long-standing between 70s and high priests as to which is the greater, which seemed to be the all-absorbing question. The Wait. 70s claiming <laughs> the question yeah. was which quorum is the best quorum uh-huh, of high priests okay. and 70s. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so they okay. had an argument about this, right? Yeah. And so it's like, well, a 70 has to be called by an apostle, but a high <laughs> priest has all of these other things, right? <laughs> So a hundred years ago, this is what people were fighting about at church. Are you better because you're a high priest or a 70? I like it. I do like it. Uh I remember it being kind of like a big deal. Like if you got to be called to be a high priest, that meant that you were like, you know, more righteous kind of a thing. Like sometimes it had to do with age, but every now and then there would be someone that was young and they'd be like, oh. He's a high priest. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And now the elders and high priests all meet together and it's mm-hmm. just like, who cares? Yeah. 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 Okay. okay. And this is sort this is sort of a fun story. This is 180 years ago. Okay. This That's is a long the, time. Yeah, it's the January before the prophet Joseph Smith was killed. Oh, okay. Okay. So Joseph dines with Emma and W.W. W. Phelps. Okay. When Joseph praises Emma for cooking in great quantities. Phelps says that Joseph should do as Napoleon Bonaparte did and just have a small table. Emma says, Mr. Smith is a bigger man than Bonaparte. He can never eat without his friends. And Joseph (laughs) says, that's the wisest thing I ever heard you say. 
That's a cute story. <laughs> funny what people put in their journals. Yeah, that's a yeah. cute story, though. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> My husband's better than Bonaparte. Yes, he oh, is. You are the wisest <laughs> wife ever. <laughs> All right, this is the last one, just because I'm kind of fascinated by this. Okay, okay, so this is 90 years ago in 1934. Okay. Heber J. Grant writes in his journal, My brother, B.F. Grant of the Deseret News, called with a page advertisement for beer and wanted to know whether or not he should accept it. Oh. Right? So the Desert yeah. News gets some offer to advertise for beer. And B.F. Grant, who's an, a, an editor or something at the Desert News, calls uh-huh. his brother Heber J. Grant. Heber, He's like, yeah. should we accept should we this ad for beer? Huh. Wait, what, what was the answer? <clears throat> we don't know the answer. Take the money and run? <laughs> I'm guessing if it's Heber J. Grant, he said no, because no. Heber J. Grant think, did not like alcohol. I don't think the Desert News advertises for beer these days. Oh, really? I don't think so. But I, mean, I don't know. It's just online ads, so I don't really know. Do you think KSL has beer ads I think on they there? do, yeah. Yeah. Listen, if you're going to show Saturday Night Live on your channel. <laughs> it's different, Matt. <laughs> Being... <laughs> Being being NBC or CBS or whatever right. it is is different. Affiliated. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, how um, things change. It's true. It's true. Those were fun stories, Matt. Thank you. I, I remember that we've, we're now being sponsored by Postum. I yes. wonder. I wonder what Kurt would feel if Budweiser said, we want to jump into This Week in Mormon's advertising game. I think that's interesting to consider. I mean, I think Postum is a perfect sponsor for our podcast. Yeah. Um, I think they fit our niche exactly. I'm not sure that Budweiser would have much success with our <laughs> particular audience. But uh, but yeah, I could put some but feelers maybe. out and kind of see where we stand. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listener, remember, you can subscribe to Patreon and get bonus content for just a few dollars a month. And if you don't want to be a Patreon subscriber, you can still follow us on social media on facebook.com slash this week in Mormons on Twitter at the real twim. And of course, if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at contact at this week in Mormons.com. Yes. You can visit the website to leave a voice comment. Maybe, Fun. please maybe... let Matt know what you think. Please let Matt know <laughs> what you think. <laughs> and I have a podcast that I do, Melissa with my, friends. I love it. I yeah. actually, I think it's funny because we try to stay anonymous on there. So we, we don't really promote hmm. the podcast very much because in this world of like anger and politics and yeah. people getting canceled, some of my friends yeah. are worried that things they say would get canceled. But really, the whole point of the podcast is to say, look, you can talk about tough political things. You can talk about tough church things and not get angry and just be And like, you can have different opinions from people that you love a lot. Yeah. And it doesn't have to divide you. Yeah. And so it's just a lot of fun. If you're if you want to know more about like current events and politics, but you don't want the anger, yeah, um, the Latter Day Lens is the podcast for you. Okay, thanks hey. for listening so much. We are the original Mormon slash Latter Day Saint news podcast, and we want you to listen to us again next week. Take care. Bye.